The magic of being your own boss means you get to negotiate with yourself on what steps you need to take to grow your business. The next time you're having this internal debate, remember that spending more time delighting your customers is one of the most powerful things you can do to move your business to the next level. The good news is our friends at FreshBooks can help you spend way less time on your admin and paperwork so you can spend more time giving your customers more love. FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software for self-employed professionals that's ridiculously easy to use. It's so fast and easy, it can save you up to 192 hours per year on all that tedious paperwork and the tasks like sending invoices, calculating expenses, and tracking your time. Oh, and if you're doing the math, 192 hours works out to 24 days. Imagine how much more joy you could bring to your customers with all that extra time. For your 30-day unrestricted free trial, I want you to go to freshbooks.com backslash my taught you and enter my taught you in the how did you hear about a section. You guys, happy new year. Today is Saturday, January 6th. 2018. Um, I am home today for the first time in a while. I did a lot of holiday traveling and I didn't bring my podcast microphone because I really intended to um, have a seat over the holidays. And so I did get a lot of much needed rest. And then this week, I don't know um, if it was like this for you guys, but isn't it like after you're out of the office forever, you come back to work and it's like your head just is spinning from catching up on everything. And people went from being non-responsive over the holidays to emailing and calling um, starting midweek. So that has been um, the gist of my week. I'm here. I'm home. I still pregnant. (laughs) Uh, I'm drinking water with oranges in it. Um, I'm really excited about 2018 since much of my 2017 really felt like a blur. Um, Today, I I made some notes and when I looked at how many pages of notes I have, so that's what I do is that I will decide to do a podcast and I'll start writing out my notes. And when I finish this one, I have 12 pages of notes. So um, I have a feeling that we're going to go there today. Um, I recently asked for podcast topics on my Instagram and received roughly 19 pages of topics. Uh, Many of the topics have been covered and can be found by scrolling back some. Um, All of my older episodes are up. And while I know I can simply push them to the front, um, I feel like I'm doing you a disservice by not allowing you to just look. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we've gotten so spoiled these days that a little research kills us. Um, scroll back and catch some of my episodes on money, um, being a black woman in business, workplace issues, making friends after college and so on. And um, if I get the time, I have to go back and download some of those. Um, sometime in the future, I may repost those for you the ones that maybe I'll do like a greatest hits a greatest hits week where I go back and I post some of my maybe let's just say four year ago or five year ago episodes that I still really love um I will because there's one that I know that I really really love maybe I'll repost that um with some commentary in the beginning so um I may do that but in the meantime um there are a lot of gems uh 
pre-microphone days. Um, a good deal of you wanted to know about my plans for working and mothering. Um, I got a lot of those questions on how I'm preparing and how I will transition and how I will be a boss once a baby is bossing me. And, um, once I have experienced some of that, I will do a separate podcast, um, on, on that. So stay tuned. I will share some of that. Uh, but right now it's kind of like, I don't know. Um, I will admit that I have sort of been struggling with topics um, and even some of the letters because this podcast has never really had a theme, I don't think, right? It's like it's some business and some life and some just general thoughts mixed with some hustle, some self-care, lots of therapy, boundaries. Um, It's basically just me seeing things happening that I think need to be addressed and turning on my mic and being like, let me tell you why you should never do that again, right? Um, since I started this podcast, my life has changed so much. Um, I think about the early days when I was still fighting for my respect and really sort of angry and hungry. I was 31 or 32 when I started podcasting, which in hindsight is still super young. And I have, by the grace of God, evolved since then. Um, I used to have to really tap dance to make things happen in those days. And now the doors are either cracked or standing open for me. I used to have a lot of life stressors. And now my credit score is popping. I own a home, a nice car. I live in a quiet gated community. I own a business. I open a warehouse. I vacation. I'm in a healthy, committed relationship and have been for some time now. And as life would have it, I'm expecting a child in less than 80 days. When I started this podcast, none of that was my life. None of it. I've struggled to make sure I'm relatable because I guess like many rappers, you outgrow the streets eventually. And that's the whole point of doing what you're doing. But there's this fear that no one will be able to relate to you once you grow past that struggle that made you popular. Um, I got a lot of questions about how I bought my house, What was the process? Um, When I bought my house, I think my credit score was in the low to mid 600s. I had done the research and knew that that wasn't the best score to buy a house, Um, but I had cash saved and decided to just try. What's the worst that can happen? They tell me no and I continue living in my apartment. Right. So I met with a realtor and was just honest. I have a really good friend that's a realtor who always says she appreciates it when her clients are 100% honest about their circumstances so that she knows what she's working with and can make things happen faster. You'd be surprised at how many solutions, loopholes, and fixes they have access to. I got an email from my realtor, I want to say yesterday. Um, I had been trying to hunt her down to be on the podcast. We met and she absolutely wanted to do it, but then she sold her house and she was moving and then the holidays came up. And so, um, I'm going to try to talk to her hopefully next week so that I can get her on and have her, you know, give out some of those tips. But I met with her and just was totally transparent. This is my credit score, so on and so forth. Um, 
After she and I talked, I was connected with a mortgage broker and found out how much I'd qualify for with my credit score and my income. I had a decent history of consistently high income. Um, I got my approval and the broker was pretty nasty to me, in my opinion. You know, I was definitely being judged based on my credit score. And I'll go out on a limb and say my age and ethnicity likely um, has something to do with that as well. My gut told me to call my financial advance, financial advisor um, and because of my history at the bank that I do my investment banking, I was able to get a loan with a catch. Um, I qualify for a certain amount and if I wanted to purchase the home I'm currently living in, which I loved at the time and I still do, I'd have to pony up $200,000 cash on the spot. <laughs> uh, you know, um, here's the thing. I had it saved. Um, I didn't want to dump it into a house, uh, but I had it saved. How did I save? How did I have all that cash? Um, I saved it. About two years into running my business, I became obsessed with saving, you guys. Obsessed. Um, I spent the first year or so buying things just because I could. I remember the moment I flipped through an InStyle magazine and realized I could afford 75% of the items on the pages. Um, That had never been my reality. I'd look and then try to find the deal or steal version of things. So I pretty much went around to all of the big dog stores dressed like the blackest black girl and threw my car down just to get a high off of people's reactions to me. Yes, bitch, I can afford this. Um, I bought purses from Louis Vuitton and Valentino and all of the Louboutins you can think of gag um, jewelry. I want you to know that I lost all of the jewelry that I bought. 100% of it is lost or I have like one earring. Um, it's either lost or broken. Um, all the flies, sunglasses, the hotel suites, you know, just name it. And I did it. Apparently this is normal and common. And after a while, I will admit that it got pretty boring. I found that though all, though I had all of these things, I never actually used these things. I always end up wearing the same outfit, same shoes. My main quote unquote bag or purse is a work bag. Um, and don't get me wrong. It's nice as hell, but I don't switch it out. I carry one bag until it gives up on me. And then I get another one. So what was the use of me buying four or five others to sit around in my closet and collect us? No use. So I started asking about the true benefits of saving and investing and learned that the sooner I started, the better, the earlier you start saving, the more potential you have for it to grow great compound returns. I will admit that I was not a believer at first. I wasn't. I walked into every investment bank and asked how much I'd need to open an account. And I remember one bank saying something like $250,000. I'm like, dang, like people just have that kind of money sitting around to invest. Anywho, I found a bank that didn't require that much and put my money down. And at the end of the year, my money had made an extra $12,000 just by sitting there. I was blown away. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a real thing. People do this. It was real. Um, so while I am playing on a slightly larger scale, and trust me when I tell you that I've seen folks playing a much greater game than I am, a much greater game, um, I always recommend working on your savings habits. If you find that you're not that good, 
I was not that good at first. Set up an automatic debit savings account. Make sure it debits one day after payday. Just have it take the money so that you don't see it. Or do something small where it debits $20, let's say every four days. You won't even notice it. And over time, you'll look up and you'll have a little stack going. Um, and I don't know, there was a company that I used to do this with, but I know that there are companies that, that still do it. But I know that if you just Google auto savings account, you can find one. Um, so where am I going with all of this? Um, I was just trying to sort of explain my recent dilemmas of what happens when you're off the struggle bus and feel a little like maybe Mary J. Blige wondering if your audience can relate to you, if your life simply isn't as hard as it used to be. My life is not that hard. Um, I do still have some heavy emotional childhood crap that I'm working through and I can't discuss that here out of respect for the parties involved, but it has been hard work and it has had me deeply in my head for days on end. I am replaying events and conversations. I'm questioning my feelings. I'm wondering what this next chapter is going to look like for me. My family It even sounds strange saying that because I don't know that I've ever felt like a part of a family. Um, Sure, we all have them, but do they all have us? Um, And if you've never really felt like that, how certain are you that you'll be able to nurture your own? This is the stuff that keeps me up at night. Um, And I'm truly not on the hunt for suggestions or thoughts because I know this is something I have to get to on my own. It's this deep mental maze. And some days I stand stuck in place in the middle of my maze and and I'm learning to be okay with that. I am not in a rush to end this mental puzzle. I'm teaching myself to embrace ambiguity and just stew for a while, right? So a lot of days I'm just like, I may be replaying some things, running it back in my head, um, asking these deeply complex things um, and just being like, I don't have the answer today. And the days, they just continue. I don't have the answer. The next day comes, I still don't know. I still don't know. And I'm learning to give myself room to not have every life problem solved, right? It's like, I'm in the midst of a life problem and I'm just going to learn to be in the midst of it for a while because I don't want to rush to any particular solution or conclusion because I don't know. And so this has been the greatest challenge is like I've gone weeks, months, not knowing. Um, and that's okay. So Preparing to add the title of mom to my resume has brought upon its own set of challenges, like let's say marriage or really let's just say weddings. People tend to over romanticize pregnancy and babies. And God forbid you say that you really didn't find pregnancy to be all that much fun. The daggers come out because it is assumed that if you don't like pregnancy, you won't like the child, which is the furthest thing from the truth. Um, I already love this little human inside of me. And I even crack up when he's doing some odd movements that make my stomach look all lumpy because his head or feet are pushing through. Um, I can love him and not love the feeling of exhaustion that comes along with all of this growing a human being is very tiring. Um, and I'm honestly not used to people talking to me this much. I pretty much move around in silence from my car, 
from my house to the car, I run inside of here or there, in and out of the airport, and people say nothing to me. Now, I can't go two steps. I'm exaggerating, but still. I can't go two steps without people asking me when I'm due, what I'm having, if it's twins, if my doctor said I can eat this, or if I have a name picked out. Sometimes it's really endearing. And other times, I wish I had a, I wish I had a shirt that said, due in March, it's a boy. But I digress. Um... Or the whole, you're going to be a mom and I'm already a mom. So I'm going to tell everything you need to know. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know, though you didn't ask. And we're going to be best mom friends since, you know, we're moms. That's sort of like being from the same city, you know, just because we're from the same city doesn't make us besties, right? So I've been going through those things. Enough about that. Um, I am going to answer a few questions that I had done a few weeks ago, but never got the chance to record. Um, I have some notes for a really sort of like a much deeper podcast, but I felt like it was just too deep for rap and maybe it just needed its own episode. So I did not include that this time. Um, but these are some good questions. So without further ado, let's get into these questions. Okay. Dear my, This year, I have completely turned my life around. I have found a new job that I love, changed my diet, exercised daily, and have begun to love myself for who I am. I have made such an effort to be a loving and kind human being. However, I have struggled for years with my boyfriend's family. As of now, the entire family loves me, except his sister. This entire year, we have been on great terms. However, I noticed when I changed my diet and job, she took no interest in it whatsoever. Now, when we see each other, she is standoffish and brushes me off as if I am nothing and not relevant. I would love to know what your advice is and where I should go from here. I know not everyone will love me or even like me, but how can I deal with some someone I have to constantly see? I feel as though she doesn't like to see me succeed. My boyfriend sees this and agrees that she acts a certain way towards me, even though I have done nothing, but I don't want to get him involved because I am a grown woman and I, I don't think this is it is healthy for him to get in between us. What can I do to better the situation? So sometimes I get these questions and I need some more information. So I write back and I ask why she feels like she needs this validation from her. I wanted some examples of the rudeness and what was the age difference. So she says she's 22 and I'm 25. For example, When I became a vegetarian, we were eating and I simply asked her if a dish had meat in it. She raised her eyebrows and rudely said, I never knew meat ever came in that as if I shouldn't be asking. Another example was another day. um, I simply simply complimented the food she had made and she replied, you don't need to make a big deal about it. It's just food. When I try to have a conversation with her, she's constantly looking away or trying to find something else to pay attention to. I have not tried to ignore her. I have always tried to be nice and pay attention to her because of the fact that she is my boyfriend's sister. We have been dating for eight years. So I've been around her a long time. Um, I just want her to accept me and it hurts when someone close in the family treats you that way. When you put so much effort into the relationship, I do believe it is time for me to keep the interaction between us to a minimum. There is no point in me trying to make someone accept me when I believe the issue resides in herself. So I wrote her back and I said, you really have to ask yourself why you're seeking her validation so much. 
especially since you're dating her brother and not her. He likes you. And that to me seems like enough people. Um, she knows that her acceptance of you matters to you. She knows, she knows with all of the sort of like over stretching things that you do. So she's not going to give it to you. Um, I don't know the full details, but I'm assuming her brother is older. She's younger. And before you, she likely had most of his attention. Now she doesn't. So this likely isn't even personal. Um, it'd be taken out on anyone that was in this position. Next, I think you want a ton of praise and accolades for the things you do. Vegetarianism, exercise, better job. These are all things for you, not anyone else. Um, as long as they make you happy, that's enough. I do believe you're trying too hard. Um, focus on yourself and your relationship with this young man and give the sister some space. Back up some. When her food is good, just say, this was great. Thank you. And be done. Don't look for a response. You don't need one. Move on. You know, you can, you can let her know something you're, you're pitching out a compliment and hopes to get something back. And that shouldn't be why we are complimenting people. Um, and you want to have, this is one thing that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to say this. I'm saying this for everybody who's going vegetarian and going vegan and all this other kind of crazy business, paleo, whatever you doing this year, I want you to have some awareness when it comes to diet changes and maybe it's new to you or the others around you. There is nothing more annoying than a new vegetarian. Um, my partner has been vegetarian for 24 years. If you don't eat meat, then you simply let someone know before you even sit down to eat that you eat a vegetarian diet. You know, I don't even like when people say I'm a vegetarian. It's like, what is that? You eat vegetarian. Your diet is vegetarian. And then you let them point out what does and doesn't have meat in it. Because being the person sniffing and pointing at things is not cool, right? Like as a person who really loves to cook and to make things, it's like if I'm making a dinner or, I have, or I'm having you over, go ahead and announce when you walk in, if you know, if that's the soonest point that you can say it like hey just want to let you know I'm eating vegetarian and then let them go oh, okay well these are the things that you can have but that waiting until you sit down and kind of like that sort of snotty does that have meat in it almost like having meat in it is bad when it's just something that you choose not to do um is annoying <laughs> and that's just real um okay sorry guys I lost my notes I hit a click I had a click and there we go. Okay, I'm back. So this got me to thinking about a topic I've been looking into lately, and it is addiction to praise. Praise feels good. It can be motivating and smart leaders use it to strategically inspire people to do great things. But there is a downside to constantly seeking out praise. It's like going through life trying to avoid criticism. Jessica Lahey um, of the gift of failure says you end up sticking with only what other people like and you can't ever evolve right so if you are a person who is addicted to praise and you go through life constantly seeking praise and avoiding criticism you end up sticking with only what other people like right so if everything you do is what other people like how do you evolve 
Um, people who seek praise may refrain from doing the things that they want. Instead, they may only do the things that please others and get praise. So, um, some of the notes I found one way to help you get over your praise addiction is to stop trying to get people to praise you. Most praise addicts have become adept at receiving praise without asking for it directly. So that's what I'm saying to you. You've become adept to receiving it. You're not asking her for it directly, but you want it from her. Break yourself of this indirect or direct praise seeking habit. So some tips I found, don't ask people how you did, how they like something you did, or even mention things you've done to others. Stop going to others for validation in your accomplishments. Um, You may need to stop talking to certain people like your friends who always give you praise. You may want to spend a weekend focusing on yourself and staying away from others to eliminate your need from praise. So it also says refrain from giving yourself too much praise. Every accomplishment you finish does not need praise. Some things like going to work or doing the dishes should be normal behavior. Normal behavior shouldn't be praised since it's what you should be doing as a part of your everyday life. So that took me back to you getting your life together. You did this. You did this. You, you got a good job. You started to eat better. You you, you went on ahead and, and did the glow up. And you want to praise for that. That's what you should have been doing anyway. Um, save praise for things that are above and beyond. Only give yourself praise when something extraordinary is accomplished. And I know that it's like, well, I did this and I did that. You know how hard it was for me. But I understand that. But these, but these things aren't necessarily extraordinary. You know, being vegetarian is not necessarily extraordinary. It's just something that you, it's a, it's a lifestyle choice, a diet choice that you made that doesn't um, warrant bells, whistles, fireworks, and all that good stuff. Okay, and she and I, we rolled back and we kind of finished it up, but I wanted to go ahead and share this in the event that somebody else was going through something similar. So that was my thought on that. Next letter. Hi, my leak. I recently found your podcast and love how you were able to really hear the meat of the questions submitted to you that motivated me to ask you these. My question is a two part question. So if you need to answer these separately, please feel free to. Here's the question. I find it hard to mingle and for lack of better words, get along with other creatives in the African-American community. They often aren't open to higher standards when it comes to education and investing. So when I present things that I can teach or share that I see other communities involved in, they often don't support shy away or pretty much shut me down, but then they support things that are easy. I don't want to come off as shallow, but it's a community college mindset compared to a university mindset. Because of how I've been treated, I don't even have a desire anymore to share my content or things within my own ethnic community. Yet they are the same people that complain that the quote unquote white community doesn't support or give them opportunities. So I read this and thought, oh my God, she doesn't really know me, know me. If she did, she wouldn't send me this. But alas, we are here and I hope to address this in a way that my message can be received versus leaving you feeling away. Um, I know I can't prevent that, but that truly is my hope. So I broke this out and I have some points. Number one, number one, I don't think you're having trouble mingling or getting along with anyone. Mingling with someone doesn't mean you're imposing your quote unquote higher standards onto people. It means you're having a conversation and getting to know them to actually find out if you have common interests. Just because you're in the same creative group doesn't mean that you have the same interest within the creative group. 
every black creative isn't interested in your higher standards or your suggestions about investing or education. Once you get to know them, you'll be able to gauge if they actually give a damn. They are not required to give one. Their lack of interest has nothing to do with their mindset being community college or university, which I find completely offensive. And I intended it and I attended a university, hated it and should have gone to a damn community college first to find myself versus having loans up to my throat. But that's another conversation. Um, Number two, just that statement alone would make me reject anything you'd have to offer me because just based on that, it sounds like it's coming from an elitist perspective. Next, I want to ask who descended from the heavens and deemed you the leader of the creatives in the African-American community? Why should they all be following you and what you believe to be true? My next thought is that you should go join circles where you're the underdog and see how this kind of behavior feels. Go join a group where everyone is light years ahead of you. You should be doing that anyway, because that's how we learn. But see how you'd feel if someone treated you this way, someone that thinks they know it all and with, and have the proof to back it up. And they're telling you what you need to be doing and how you need to step your game up. Um, If there's a group of people that you don't believe serve you, you simply move on to another group. You don't degrade them because you feel rejected. We should avoid using such a broad brush to paint people's personalities. You might be right about this particular group, but what difference does it make? We hurt ourselves with this kind of mindset. We really do. You've run into a group of black creatives that you just don't jive with. I bet there's a group of Caucasian, Latino, Asian, you name it. There's a group of every ethnicity that you won't jive with. My advice is to find your group or create your group and do what you want to do within that group. So um, I thought this would be long, but it appears that it's not. Anywho, happy new year. I will be back because I am committed. I have committed myself um, contractually to doing multiple podcasts every month. So you will be hearing from me again very soon. I hope you have a fantastic new year. For those of you who missed out on the Limitless Living Journals, they will be back in just a few weeks for a limited time. So please don't um, forget about those. You can grab those on mytaughtyou.com.